dad, take, take a stress helmet and take a chill pill in the chill chamber because you are experiencing hysteria mode major. Would it be so bad if an 84-year-old got into heroin? Welcome to the Cat Organizational Podcast. You idiot. It's written down in front of you, you idiot. This is like the buffalo chicken wrap of answers. I haven't heard about hot orcs in a while. We were so horny for motion controls in 2005. I can't wait to come back and tell you how it was Noah's Ark, you asshole. I would also like to retroactively say I've never had cotton candy acid. So Andrew's 100% doing a voice, right? Everybody get off IMDb now. Time to record. This episode and probably this whole this whole podcast is a mistake. Hello, and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we talk about comic books, video games, and how capitalism drives both rewards and frustration in Animal Crossing New Horizons. And I can't get enough of it. I need all the dopamine squirts. I need them. Todd, I've been meaning to ask you, are you never are you ever not playing Animal Crossing he's, these days? He's I, playing right okay. now, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I play a lot. Um, I'm currently making my island ADA accessible by putting ramps on everything. Good. So good for you. you know, I have to say I took inspiration from my friend Tommy about that one. He was like, Oh yeah, ramps. Yeah. Probably, you know. Tommy's just a better person than any of us. Well, yeah. Yeah. Hi, Tommy. Tommy, if you're listening, hi. <laughs> so, my name is Todd Thomas, and friends, we are currently living in the hellscape that is 2020. We Yay! Had, <laughs> we, oh, wait, we've had an impeachment, huge areas of land on fire, and now a viral outbreak. 2020 has been 10 years long. <laughs> 2020 <laughs> is the last decade of my life. <laughs> well, so I want to take us back to simpler times, specifically in the 90s. So for me, that was when I found my first made-for-TV movie love, Brink, because that came out in late oh. 90s, 98 area. The best made-for-TV movie. Yeah, if I can quote Matt, Brink fucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's worth saying that also all those three things that I said at the start, they also happened in the 90s, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah. We're here to talk about <laughs> the most wholesome of childhood-era entertainment, specifically Disney Channel original movies, or decoms i've never called it a decom until we started talking about doing this it was a push it was a push toward toward the middle life of of decoms that they like branded them as such um and then they would do like decom movie marathon weekends and stuff so like most things these days in my life, I heard Matt saying it, and then I started saying it. <laughs> I hate how accurate that is, but I definitely also remember the like mid-2000s rebrand to DCOMs, because I remember catching a lot of like early 90s DCOMs, or mid to late 90s DCOMs, uh, on DCOM weekends yep. on Disney Channel in 2006. It was, it was about Ooh. the same time they were doing the like branding where the... St- the stars of their shows would draw the mouse ears with the yeah. With the Which, stick. If you have not seen the redos that happened on Vine, where it actually show what they were outlining, man, that's yeah. that's a good one. Anyway, since we can't leave anything pure as is in this silly thing that we do today, I'm presenting the task of taking your favorite Disney Channel original movie and rebooting it. However, I want you to reboot it by ram jamming one of your favorite superpowered heroes or villains just straight into the storyline. I just want to point out in the notes, you don't have the second half of your second sentence there. So it just says, I want it done by ram jamming one of your favorite superpowered heroes or villains. <laughs> Period. 
you know, you, you see what you want to see, Kyle. It's there it's, in front of me, Todd. I can't, I can't change there's it. There's no, there's no proof. These notes don't exist. We're, we're all just ad libbing. Anyway, fortunately for you, the listeners, I have a handful of directors looking for their big breaks. So with me today, I have Matt Tangy the Cat Cole. Absolutely not. Andrew <laughs> Merang the Rhino Henderson. Maybe not how you spell Kyle... Rhino. <laughs> <laughs> not, not <laughs> that's how you know I do too much politics because that's the acronym Rhino in politics. You're but anyway, right. not important. Um, this is an audio-based humor podcast. And Kyle, Chief the Wolf Harper. The best one of the and, three. And I'm reaffirming the premise here. <laughs> Shit, that was the thing I was supposed to cut out of the <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to cut that. No, no, no it's staying in. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, man. I think, um, I think the compromise here is we cut it, but... But Todd saying, shit, that was what I was supposed to cut out is our, is our episode opener now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fine. Um, oh, no. No, that's uh, too good. Uh, they're <laughs> the best you're getting today. <laughs> as soon as I started saying it, I'm like, I didn't edit this. Oh, man. Here we go. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. <laughs> and like okay. my brain, I was saying it out loud and my mouth was saying it. And my brain's going, no, pull the word. <laughs> Okay. So, are these the 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 worst possible characters you could get on your Animal Crossing island or what, close? What are these? Um these are not these contrary to what some may think, these are not the names of B-list Sonic characters. These are some of the favorite or fan favorite Animal Crossing characters that you can get across the uh the spectrum. Mm, okay. Kangy the cat is a cat that has a head that is the texture of an orange and has what? a leaf on it. What do you mean it has texture? This is a game. It's like a it's like a cat, but his head is an ant, is a tangerine with cat ears and a face on it. Why? This is like that annoying orange YouTube channel just come to life in a stupid video game I care about. But a, but a cat. Ugh. And uh, Meringue the Rhino is a rhino that has a strawberry for a horn. Oh. This Chief game the wolf is dumb. just sounded awesome. All right. Anyway, don't don't yuck in my yum. Does Chief Aww. the Wolf have an eye patch? They're cute. Uh. It should. It doesn't, though. Uh, um, okay, so here we are. Guys, tell me what Disney Channel original movie you have chosen. Just give us all a small taste of the movie, just so everyone's on board, and then tell me what superhero or villain you are injecting into it, and in what role. Okay, so Namor McKenzie is the most popular kid in school. He's the second best on the swim team, <laughs> a total failure in science class, <laughs> And has sort of a girlfriend, maybe, named Sam. All of the makings of a kid who invites literally everyone in school to his front lawn birthday party, including school nerd and his new lab partner, Walter Newell. But when he turns 13, things start to get weird. Namor begins taking absurdly long drinks from the water fountain, generating electricity from his hands, and growing literal fish scales and fins on his skin when he touches water sometimes. But only sometimes. <laughs> we're doing 13th year it's 13th year with namor that's what's happening here i i feel like i saw the the commercial that would run on disney channel as you were describing it was that not what we were going for that's what i was no, going like, for. i think that's what we all did all right perfect yeah yep. 
you painted the picture for me really well. That's that's what I'm getting at. That's good because I watched the trailer of 13th Year today and it includes like an entire sequence that is not in the movie. And the fact that the DCOM <laughs> in 1999, the 13th year, had a big enough budget to film for a trailer and or film enough that they cut that much out of a movie to put it in a trailer is absurd. But all of these things are the very real things that encompass the weirdness that is the 13th year of yeah. like this kid being the most popular in school. Because again, let me re reiterate, he is the second best on the swim team. <laughs> <laughs> he is an absolute failure in science class and like maybe has a girlfriend, but also maybe doesn't. And her name is Sam. Because smart kids in the 90s were losers, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be a fucking nerd. And if yeah. he was the best on the swim team, then he's a tryhard. So he's like. Just naturally gifted enough to be second place. Doesn't try like, and doesn't school. care. Yeah, he, he's a cool kid. He's a cool kid. I don't know if he's a cool kid. See, exactly. Like, I just forgot that there was this whole plot of, like, this kid is the coolest kid in school. And, and they expositionize word for word that, like, he's the coolest kid in school. That makes you the coolest girl in school. But there's no <laughs> reason for him to be cool. Like... He, he just is. He just is. Even they like even make it out that his parents are losers, but this kid is just cool. I don't know. It's very strange. Um, I have two th two quick things. Okay. Um, two quick things. Okay. One, I think it's really funny that Namor is the second best swimmer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just real quick. And then two. Um, yeah, the Thirteenth Year is a weird movie. I remember a lot more body horror in that movie. Yeah. Than other disney properties yeah isn't there isn't there a scene where he's like getting out of the pool and he like touches the the rim of the pool and it like short circuits a bunch of shit that's true yes that happens uh during this <laughs> the state championship swim meet which does come up later um Good. yeah there's like there's a very strange 1999 cgi scene of his foot morphing into a mermaid tail yep. Oh, um, yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, and like it's definitely it's Disney body horror, so it's like it's like body horror with an upward inflection in the middle, like it's like, like animals cover. Yeah, yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that happens. It's real. Well, Matt, yours sounds fun and wholesome. I I can't wait to hear what comes next. It's only wholesome all the way down. It's oops, all wholesome. <laughs> They're decoms. Andrew, after what do you all. got? All right. <clears throat> All right, so I'll, I'll give you the, the back of the VHS box description first. <laughs> Do it in your best Disney trailer guy voice. All right. Gamora is just your average 13-year-old girl living on an intergalactic space station. She goes to school, hangs out with her best friend Nebula, and is totally crushing on Microbe, the most lunarious band this side of the Milky Way. <laughs> But one day, Trouble Major comes to visit, and Gamora gets shipped back to the most micro place in the universe. Earth. It's up to Gamora to find her way back to the space stay and save her friends and family. Was that good? Was that a good voice? Yeah, it wasn't bad, yeah. I really forgot all the, like, awful fake slang from Xenon. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Kyle, you're not going to forget it after and, the night. now it's all coming back. Um... Space Day. I have two pages of I have two pages of notes and it's all xenon slang. Space Ew. Day is um, particularly offensive and awful. Oh, yeah. I I hated Trouble Major a lot. Yeah, uh, Lun Lunarius, Lunarius really snapped is, me back into a place. Is good. Mm -hmm. Micro Micro was the one that got me. I'll tell you what. If uh, if Todd lets me win, I will go through some <laughs> of the more colorful, more egregious xenon slang. Is that uh, supposed Z to be encouragement? Is that how you're trying to win points? <laughs> yes. 
question mark inflection maybe so uh so obviously i'm redoing xenon girl the 21st century um everyone's favorite spunky girl living <laughs> on a massive <laughs> massive privatized space station um set in the year 2049 um one quick thing chelsea clinton is the president in this world just <laughs> is that real oh. well, well yeah, that's weird real. yeah um like i said i have two pages of notes when i watched this last night um, Xenon and her best friend Nebula live normal teenage lives and get into trouble as 13 year olds do. But of course, but one day the head of Windcom, who is the company that funds the space station, visits. Um, Xenon gets wrapped up in a nefarious plot to sabotage the station. And despite her efforts of thwarting the sabotage, Xenon gets, quote, grounded on Earth and then has to work with her newfound friends to find a way back and save the day. Uh, just in time to see the new microbe tour or <laughs> microbe concert. Wasn't the plot that the space station was going to like crash into the Earth or something? Uh, no. Well, we'll get into it, Todd. Um, okay. The the I just the, I'm remembering how horrifying that concept is. The the what I now imagine is a very perverted uh, administrative assistant to Mr. Wyndham uh, <laughs> tries to or uploads like a like a virus basically into the security net because in 1999 we still didn't know how computers worked it was all skynet um, baby everything it was, was skynet. All skynet. <laughs> yeah um everything was just done in wall panels so they, they he uploaded a uh what looks like a mini disc into a wall panel and uh <laughs> three days later this, <laughs> this <laughs> three days later the space station uh lost all its power and it was like losing orbit i don't know if it was actually going to crash into earth but i mm. think that was the imp- the impression they couldn't say that because it would be too scary for kids, but like you knew yeah. it was, it was going to crash. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I guess I'm just gathering at this point, like there's an extra layer of horror to every Disney Channel original movie that I just kind of <laughs> blocked out because, you know, I was 11. They're not the yeah. parts you remember. Like I, <laughs> I've watched a lot of DCOMs recently and uh, I'm remembering that I didn't remember most of those DCOMs. Right. Yeah, you don't remember that. You don't watch the movies for the plots. You watch the movies for the kids who, who you who are your age or... and doing in the same interests you had at yeah. the same time. Yeah, you project exactly. yourself onto them. Yeah, exactly. Or if you're if you're ten, twelve year old me, absolutely in love with Xenon. <laughs> um, real quick, I just to tie this up in a bow. So I'm going to re-engineer this as Gamora, girl of the 21st galaxy. Ooh. Um, we've got the lead role now being played, obviously, by a teenage Gamora and her best and her best friend, Major Nebula, because Which that worked well. out really well. <laughs> yep. Uh, and they've lived happily their whole lives on the space day until one day the gaseous head of Thantech, director Hammond <laughs> Thanos, <laughs> comes to visit. Hammond. Hammond. <laughs> Hammond Thanos. Hammond, Hammond was the go-to corporate villain in the nineties. <laughs> that was like the name of your corporate villain in the nineties. Yep, it seemed it seemed right. Go ahead, I'm I'm done now. Uh, Kyle, we've had we're two for two on wholesome. Um, are you going to take another Disney Channel original movie and make me remember something horrifying about it? Oh, one hundred percent, Todd. Um, so uh, after <laughs> after the death of his father, Ben, played by Taj Maori enters a contest to win a smart house. Ben wins, and he, his mom Nicole, and his little sister all move to upstate New York, meet the creator of the smart house, Tony Stark, um, including a brief cameo from Robert Downey Jr., and he takes them all inside and introduces them to the AI operating system that controls all aspects of the house, uh, named Ultron. Good. <laughs> Shenanigans <laughs> ensue. So good. <laughs> no, I need to say before anything continues here that... 
Smart House scarred me as a child and is the sole reason why I refuse to get an Amazon Alexa or anything of the like. <laughs> Smart, House, Smart House warned us about the dangers of AI back in 1999? Smart yeah. House was yeah, like... 1999. Yeah, Smart House was like my it. All my other friends were terrified of clowns and I was like, but the machines! <laughs> <laughs> Smart House also had the horniest dad in, to ever grace our TV screens. Absolutely okay, the horniest I, dad. I do not remember the dad. You're going to have to like give You got to watch it, dude. It's I. He's not very memorable, but go ahead. Basically, the dad, like, the, the, the woman, the, it's a woman in the movie that creates the house and the operating system. And the dad is just like, just horned up for the woman that built Smart House. And at the same time, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Leela from Futurama. Uh, yeah, it's Katie uh, Seagal. Katie Siegel is uh, is the operating system and is super horned up for the dad. And it's really it's weird. The, the wife, the <laughs> wife weird. from uh, Married with the wife or, uh, from Married with Children. Yep, it's super weird because yep. it's a kids movie and everyone's horny in it. But like, and it's not just it's dad's not just horned up for the the engineer. He his like eleven year old son, uh, famously Kyle Merriman from the Final Destination movies, uh, <laughs> is is like fielding left and right these phone calls from all these poor single women who keep trying to call his dad back <laughs> after oh. these one night stands. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, ta- again, yeah, like here's gross. the thing that like no one caught on because we were 11 and like here it is he's this he's a single dad playboy like he sure is so it i love that it just fits so well that tony stark is here <laughs> who is this movie for <laughs> it's for me Kyle specifically me and me alone. jesus well okay so you've you've given us the premise you've given us your your hero so sometimes movies they just have to recast roles and they they give little more than you know a hand wave as story progresses. So think like Rhodey going from being Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle. There's like a cheeky comment and they just kind of move on. That's not the case here, obviously. So since this is a not so subtle recast, what not so subtle plot changes are taking place within your superpowered, you know, with your superpowered being now being the headliner for this movie? Well, Todd, Namor has to figure out what's going on. <laughs> Namor <laughs> McKenzie. Which, did you know Namor's real last name is McKenzie? Like, canonically in Marvel? Really? Namor's real last name is McKenzie. That I is always thought Namor, Namor was either it was, Cher. Yeah, and only had, like, like the one. He only has one name. <laughs> Namor McKenzie. I thought the same thing, but it's Namor McKenzie. Namor McKenzie and Walter Newell are both real names. I kept the name Sam from the original movie. Uh, because Namor doesn't need another love interest. He gets married so many times and, and at least once to his cousin that I decided he didn't need to, we didn't need to name swap the love interest. But anyway, uh, Namor has to figure out what's going on, Todd, because the state <laughs> swim meet is at the end of the week and his sort of girlfriend maybe sort of kissed him on the mouth at his birthday party. And his mom is a super weird hippie socialist who thinks doctors are just hacks with stethoscopes. And his dad is Dave Coulier, so he has to figure out <laughs> so he has to cut what's out. going on. He has to figure this problem out on his own and live his life. Wait, I have to pause. <laughs> is his dad actually Dave Coulier? His dad is actually movie? Dave Coulier oh, in the movie, yes. I feel like you could create an entirely separate decom with just the description, but his dad is Dave Coulier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> 
I'm still trying to wrap my head around his sort of girlfriend maybe sort of kissed him on the mouth. It makes it sound like it's the least sexual possible like thing that's happened. Okay, yes. all right. Cracks knuckles. Let me tell you guys about this weird scene. So, <laughs> um, the 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 main guy in the movie has this girl named Sam who is like also on the swim team. And there's this weird line from Dave Coulier at the beginning that's like, are you guys an item now? But they never what? answer it. So, like, there's there's never really a, like, oh, yeah, she's my girlfriend. And then at his birthday party, she gives him a picture of her in a frame and is oh. like, here's your birthday present. And he opens it up and he's like, Sam, I love it. And then she's like, well, there's one more thing, but this one you don't have to open. And she, like, puckers right. her face oh, up man. for a kiss and he leans in for a kiss, but then because of his weird mermaid powers or whatever, there's like a little static electricity between them, Ooh. and they maybe don't actually kiss, but maybe do kiss. I don't know. Sort of maybe girlfriend, sort of maybe kiss. I'm hung up on the concept of someone giving you a photo of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that it was a plot that device for this moment, but someone going like... Here I got you this, and it's just like a glamour shot of you. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> it was very very nineteen nineties. Like it it felt pre Instagram. That was a pre Instagram exchange. Uh, hmm. Anyway, luckily for Namor, he's got his new best nerd friend Walter to help him run some tests in exchange for Namor teaching him how to swim. Walter, who's super into marine biology, watches Namor swim some laps in the pool and take some samples of the scales growing on his skin, because that's not weird or alarming. Um, here, Walter's definitely a pervert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, here's where the major changes are. Uh, Walter thinks that Namor might not be a mermaid, but he might be Atlantean. Because Atlanteans don't become aquatic until they turn 13 or whatever. I don't know. It had to make sense Because somewhere. that's convenient. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, Namor doesn't only get scales. He sprouts wings out of his ankle or out of his ankles because that's a fins? real thing that Namor has. Um, mm -hmm. Because Namor can also fly. Oh, I learned yeah. today that Namor can also fly and has wings on his ankles. And Namor in the movie has to hide them under super nerdy high white socks because he does. <laughs> It would look so bad, too. Yeah, right? It would fit the... He, there's a line in the movie that I just watched two hours ago that's like, <laughs> Sam is like, why didn't you tell me you were a mermaid? And he's like, well, it's junior high. If I wear the wrong thing, people will talk. So now he has to wear nerdy high socks to cover his ankle wings. I love that you managed to get the decom trope of the like super nerdy not friend at the beginning of the movie, best friend by the end of the movie, who's also conveniently super nerdy about the specific problem the main character has. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, uh, there, there's that character in so many movies, and I totally forgot uh, his whole plot in uh, 13th Year. I watched it this afternoon. I was like, man, I forgot there was a kid. He has a tuba. He falls in the pool. He almost drowns. <laughs> it's it's well, wild. And it's also a very common decom plot of popular kid has things happen to him that he fears will make him not popular. And the whole, ish the whole conflict of the movie is hide my weird deformity. Yeah. Which I was just going to say... It feels like you're just retelling Spider-Man Homecoming. Yep. Yeah, there is a... There, kind of. There are at least... No, there are no less than three ripped-from-the-book Spider-Man references yep. in 13th year. Um, there is, yeah. on multiple occasions, him not being able to drop something that he's holding, 
And this is nice. pre Sam Raimi man, but still like right out of Spider Man. Hmm. Um, there's another scene of him like crawled up on his ceiling, hanging from his ceiling, calling for his parents for help. And then there is an actual moment where I think the main kid's name is Jet or Colin. I think it's Colin. I don't Cody. It's Cody. Um, I've been saying Namor for so long. I forgot his name, but uh, <laughs> Cody is talking to Jesse. Jesse is the nerd boy. And Jesse is like, so what are you just some kind of Spider-Man now or something <laughs> very on the nose sure. like that? TM. Yeah. Um, do do you think the writers of this movie knew what mermaids were? Are <laughs> absolutely not. Hard no. <laughs> Definitely not. I don't. I don't know aware of any of those powers being part of the mermaid canon. Me neither. Yeah. Um. I like I said. There's like a whole thing in this movie where he just drinks from the water fountain for a long time, and that's supposed to be weird. <laughs> also, he holds a light bulb, and the light bulb lights up, and they're like, "You have the powers of an eel." Oh, that's makes okay. all the sense so he's just more of an eel man like a man <laughs> <laughs> which is way more horrifying in every way it's it's weird and not well thought out all right um andrew what do you matt matt is giving us giving us some uh some throwback spider-man slash eel vibes and a nerdy best friend what do you got um well i've got all those except for spider-man vibes ah well uh, i have you beat there, there's some real inky shit Oh. Uh, cut it ah. out. Uh, so, <laughs> get out of here. So, uh, Gamora. So, this is our plot. Is Gamora suspects that uh, Director Thanos and his assistant Ebenezer Ma. Uh, Ebenezer Ma. Uh, I got it. We got it. Ebenezer. Uh, yep. Are uh, are up to real some real inky stuff, but nobody believes her. Uh, one night, Gamora catches Ma trying to hack into the super restricted engine room overhearing that they are looking for some power stone. Uh, but when she... Here we go. Uh, but when she tries to blow the whistle, her parents, her parents act completely gaseous and side with the bad guys. Gamora is sent to Earth to live among the normal teens of that world. Bummer major. Don't. I... I... I just don't like, pause and wait for us yeah, to react yeah, to what don't, you're doing. Don't, don't <laughs> I'm, pausing to, I'm pausing to wait for this one. Zetus Lapidus, Todd. Earth is so bizarre. <laughs> Did you want me to say it one more time? No. It was Zetus Lapidus. I didn't want you to say it a first time. <laughs> Zetus Lapidus. Sounds like the name of some kitschy IPA at a new micro bar. <laughs> uh. We need to trademark Zetus Lapidus the IPA. <laughs> It's a separate. It's a separate thing. Okay, uh, so it's quickly clear Gamora doesn't belong. Shortly after arriving, as she is mocked by the cool, popular girl at sc- at school named Roxy. Uh, she then meets Pete Quill, who is a very nice '90s-looking boy with a bowl cut, uh, who seems very much into her. Um, and then at school, she meets a few other kids. The the token uh, nerdy hacker tech wizard Drew Axiom, and Gregory Van Smoot. The very shy but nice rich kid who has the big house that the other kids hang out at, but doesn't actually have any lines. <laughs> <laughs> Those were good. That, that, Thank well you. played. Thank you. Uh, Gamora bef- befriends this wily bunch of spunky preteens, and together they all help to get her back to the space day to save her family. Even Roxy, while at first jealous of Gamora's relationship with Pete, uh, decides that despite their differences, she can learn to embrace Gamora as a friend. 
I was really on board with everything you were saying, but then you said space day again. And I hate that. I hate it. <laughs> I hate the last it time my, you're going to hear is space day. I, I hate it with every fiber Todd, of my Todd's being. Todd's brain rejects <laughs> space day. Zenus um, Lapidus. No. <laughs> I, I liked what you did for the most part. And then there were things I didn't like. Well, All right, Kyle. Wait, hold on. No, I have a question. Um, sure. I'm not familiar familiar enough with Xenon. Is is Roxy a Guardian's pull or is Roxy a Xenon? Oh, pull? Roxy. Roxy was trying to was me trying to say Rocket Raccoon. Rocket. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Drew Drew Axiom being Drax. Yeah, I got that oh. one. I got the other ones. Yeah. Roxy was the one I didn't pick up. Yeah, I forgot to give her a last name. <laughs> Roxy Raccoon. Yeah, it's just Gregory Ro- Van Smoot was Groot. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> the very, the very, the very, ni- the very shy, nice kid. Yes, uh, I got yeah, it. Yeah, so in the in the original, <laughs> in the original, um, she does befriend a spunky group of teens, and weirdly enough, there are five of them, but they all just kind of appear. That that '90s trope of of a group of five. Yep, I, yep. It's, it starts it's everywhere. It starts with um exactly. It starts with Margie the Mean Girl, which it's one of those like your brain will remember who Margie is as soon as you see it. You're gonna you're gonna just oh her because she's in all the movies. <laughs> Lauren Maltby is that the name I'm looking yeah. for? Maybe. Um, and then there was uh her 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 crush Gregory, who like. I don't know who he he's just he's just a very nice looking 90s boy. Like he's got a bowl cut. He's got the part right down the down the center, you know, vertical down the center. And uh, he was in every three of these movies. Yeah, he was in every every decom. And then he did a couple episodes yeah. of Law and Order. And then he stopped acting for the rest of his yeah, career. Yeah, and, and now he probably teaches history in, in the middle of one of the Dakotas. Like, <laughs> like all of these like all of these kids. Uh, so that's that's your Peter Quill. And then um nice 90s boy best friend he just kind of appears and he's the one who can just hack anything with a with a ipad or with a <laughs> 90s version of a tablet oh yeah or it's rather rather what the 90s thought 2020 49 would look like where they all it's kind of like just standing in line for uh space mountain <laughs> i have a very clear memory of uh this was when everyone thought like pdas were gonna be the next thing yep. so every every techie <laughs> kid had the had a pda that could yeah. magic. That was like the sonic screwdriver of the movie, and could fix every plot contrivance. Yeah. So, so Andrew, the the tech nerd, ha- easily within the in, in in a half of a scene, hacked into Windcom's entire mainframe. <laughs> yeah. Using a PDA <laughs> yeah. to get a shuttle schedule. I know this kid very well from Holes and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. He's in Holes. So yeah, that's uh. There you go. I. Like, I think I already said what I needed to say. I liked some of it, and then you said Space Day, and my heart hurt. <laughs> I got more left. Kyle, are you not going to say Space Day? I, I do not have one single instance of the words Space Day in my entire plot summary. Now, I feel like I'm saying Space Day, but it sounds like I'm saying Space Day. Is that Yeah, it's, it's got to be Space Day. It's, you, it's, gotta, like, you get it's, really... it's Space Station, right? You, yeah, you make yeah, yeah. that okay. So like, ew, ew! I didn't get it. Oh, gross! <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt. Oh, I'm sorry. Now you can be mad. Bummer, major, Matt. Join oh. my rage cage, Matt. That was totally not alpha. Stop it. Oh. It's the it's the sentence inversion that gets me the worst. Like the the bummer major. That's what irritates me the most. I hate that, Matt. You need to take a you need to take a second and go to the chill cabin. What was it? The, <laughs> the, the chill chamber. 
the chill chamber because you are in hysteria mode major right now. All right, Kyle, please. Uh, all right. So, um, we're we are for the most part keeping it pretty close to the original smart house plot. Um, our big change is that um, in the original movie, it is Ben, his father, and his sister. And to uh, make things work with uh, Tony Stark, and because Disney isn't ready to put a same-sex relationship front and center, uh, we are going to change Ben's mother dying to Ben's father dying. In, in our new version of Smart House, it's Ben lacking a father figure and um, his mother looking for love. So we've got Tony Stark there to flirt with another attractive woman again. We get more of the fun scenes from Spider-Man Homecoming where he was hitting on Aunt May, and it was really weird and uncomfortable for everyone involved. <laughs> um, so we're going to do that again. And Ben, lacking a father figure, finds one in the um, AI house servant, Ultron. The house that he lives in. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> Gross. Um, however, uh, Ultron gets jealous of Nicole and Tony's flirtatious tone. And locks the entire family inside the house with Tony Stark locked out of the house. And the disembodied voice of James Spader twists its programming uh, from basic chores into ways to convince the family they are actually in love with him through tough love. So we just get a good, like, <laughs> 20... The so we get a good 20-minute, half-hour-long scene of just them going from, like, room to room in the house and James Spader saying some quippy pun... And then, like, a twisted inversion of vacuuming your room torments the family for five minutes before we move, they escape and we move on to the next room. And, and that's it. There is so much Stockholm Syndrome in this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a weird movie. <laughs> also, Nicole and Tony is my favorite Sopranos sitcom spinoff. There you go. All right. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was afraid to ask when you picked this selection if we would get james spader ultron voice and i'm happy you did 100 because if there's one man whose hot voice is going to torment you inside of a house that you can't escape from it's james spader well my logic my logic there too was disney definitely sprung to get katie siegel for the original smart house so i think they will they can um open their wallets a little wide to get james spader back for this one as well I like to think that because Eight Simple Rules for Your Teenage Daughter was an ABC show, that Smart House <laughs> was the thing that she had to do in order to land the, role, the lead role in Eight Simple Rules. 100%. <laughs> we'll give you this, this nice, safe, long-running uh, TV movie to make, or TV series to make your money on, but you have to do Smart House first. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how horrifying that movie was. Like... It's, it's a fucking I, nightmare. Yeah, I'm telling yeah. you. I remember it's there being awful. a clip where like a robotic claw flies out the front door and tries to like grab and, like, a person and like brings them back. They like one gets out and it like oh, yeah. it, like there brings them back in the house. Yeah, it's it's not Thanks. okay. It's real bad. Well, now that we've talked about it going bad, your recast seems to be going really well, guys. So, uh, <laughs> what <a> segue. <laughs> so, but the thing, okay, the thing about Disney Channel original movies, especially when we watch them with our like fresh eyes, is that they are perfect in every way. So, I need you to tell me now what was the original ending to your DCOM as it was? Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen these movies that are like 30 years old. And now, what has changed with your ending? with the new recasted uh, superhero version of it. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Like 
there was not much that needed to change for 13th year other than <laughs> flopping the names. Like, there's there's so much that stays the same. All right, so here we go. Namor convinces Sam, Sam is the girlfriend, she bailed out, like, late act two, to meet him on the beach because he just went swimming with his, with his Atlantean mom and he's ready to show Sam who he really is or something. But then he has a mermaid stroke or something and needs to get in the water. But Walter's dad, Big John Newell, wraps him up in a tarp and kidnaps him with his fishing boat to take him to the dock or something. I love all the four somethings <laughs> or somethings so far. Continue. So Namor's Atlantean mom follows the fishing boat and Big John Newell decides to ignore the dying kid on his boat to try and catch that kid's mom. Walter shows up right when his dad drops the net on Namor's mom. Namor tells Walter to save his mom, and Walter has to put his skip his swimming skills to the test, which he's kind of been learning through the whole movie. <laughs> and now Walter grabs an actual Bowie knife and dives down to cut the Atlantean out of the net. But his foot gets caught in the net, and his dad drops it, and it accidentally kind of drowns his own son. But they get him out of the water, and Sam gives him mouth to mouth, and he's like totally okay. Namor's Atlantean mom gives his land mom these like crazy eyes, and then she's pretty cool with just letting Namor swim off into the void forever because the fish lady said he'd be back before school started. That's how 13th year ends. That's how 13th year with Namor ends. Can I answer your questions? What? <laughs> um, I've got two things, Matt. Hit me, Todd. Uh, one, I'm realizing that shitty parenting is like an overarching theme of Disney movies. Um, that's not really a question, just a statement. A key factor of DCOMs <laughs> is poor yes. parental supervision, yes. My, my second point is Atlantean mom is who I had to spend every other weekend and most holidays with growing up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's, that's Atlanta mom. Oh. <laughs> Different. Oh boy. Um, Different. Wow. Very good. Uh, yeah, no, so like I watched 13th year, like I said, no less than two hours ago. And <laughs> holy shit, the ending of this movie is dark. And I knew it was dark, but I, I didn't remember how dark it was. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the movie, Namor slash Cody, like, takes his shirt off and slinks into the water. And then there's this weird, like, aqua aerobics scene. And then he flies up out of the water to have his mermaid tail fin feet exposed. And he does this weird divey thing back into the ocean and swims off with his mermaid bomb credits Like roll. a dolphin? Yeah, kind of like a dolphin. It's kind of like a breaching thing. But more like a merman. Yeah, but more like a merman. Merman. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I just um. love I love the bit that you're like, they swim off into the sunset and it's cool. Yeah. Like yeah. they'll come you can come back before school. I don't I have guess. questions. I don't have questions about the Namor thing, but I just have questions about the thirteenth year. Um so Remind me, like, why is he a mermaid? Okay, okay, so I didn't even cover that because, <laughs> because honestly, it's really ridiculous and it's only the first, like, it's all pre-title card. It's like the first 90 seconds of the movie. So, Cody, main character Cody, who we are calling Namor, Cody's parents are, they, they start the, the movie on a boat, right? And they're in this boat and then Big John Newell whose name is actually Big... What's what's his actual name? I have that somewhere. 
Big John Wheatley. Big John Wheatley <laughs> is a fisherman, and he's out fishing, and he sees this mermaid. And the mermaid does some things in the water, and he's like, holy shit, a mermaid. And then he crashes his boat because he was trying to, like, see the mermaid. And then the rest of the movie, everybody's like, Big John Wheatley's the crazy guy who believes in mermaids. And he's like, one day you'll see. And that's his whole plot line. But what's important about that is that Big John Wheatley sees the mermaid because the mermaid's swimming with her actual human baby in the beginning of this movie. <laughs> the mermaid is swimming through the ocean with an actual human baby underwater. And they're swimming along. And then she sees the fisherman and to run away and hide from the fisherman stashes her real human baby in the like side pouch of this boat that is docked by this ocean buoy. I'm not making any of this up. And then that boat goes back to shore, and that boat has Dave Coulier and Dave Coulier's wife, and that's Cody's parents. And in that boat, um, Dave Coulier says, I've got to pull the quote out because I also wrote the quote down because the quote was too good. But Dave Coulier <laughs> it says something along the lines of, like, remind me why we're doing this again. And Dave Coulier's wife drops the incredible line in the 1999 DCOM 13th year to start a new life free of the bourgeois capitalist experience. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Word for word, that's what she says. And then after she drops that great socialist manifesto, they hear a baby crying and they're like, whose baby is that? I guess it's on the boat. I guess it's our baby. And it's the mermaid's baby. Better go buy some Dave deepens. Coulier's family of 1999. Welcome to the revolution. Yeah. It's wild. Um, so I was going to do this thing and relate that back to like Namor being an Atlantean human hybrid who was born in 1915 to an Atlantean and some sea soldier. And then the sea soldier died and World War One happened. I, but it seemed too convoluted. So I left it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still better than uh, just this poor mermaid just like leaving her baby <laughs> on, a, on a boat. To swim a little faster to mermaids. save herself. <laughs> mermaids don't become mermaids until they turn thirteen, so you know it's it's cool, I guess. We're all just making it up as we go along. Yeah. 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 Puberty, man. Yeah. Alright. Well that had parenting in it. Did it? Yeah. Is that uh, what you I call didn't that? Say good, I didn't say good parenting. <laughs> there were parents present. Yeah. So speaking of questionable parental decisions, uh, Xenon gets exiled to Earth, like I said. Uh, because her parents don't believe her because a very perverted man is trying to sabotage their space station. And it goes, and it, and it keeps like, it keeps escalating to the point where like, she'll call, she'll video call the parents and the parents will be like, everything's fine. She'll, she'll say stuff like, no, like I know there's a Trojan in the space station. Like, is everything okay? Is it, is, is stuff like, is stuff breaking yet? Like she knows it's happening because they've already identified that it's a virus. And the parents are like trying to hide the calamity that's behind them. <laughs> they're like, no, Xenon, it's totally fine. And then they turn off and then it's like, they're doing Star Trek. Like, <laughs> like the camera's shaking and all the lights are flashing on and off. They're like, do you think she's going to know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck guys oh disney so xenon ends uh with xenon and in, in uh with her rambunctious crew of spunky teens um crashing the spaceport where they know protozoa and his band microbe are giving a are giving a press conference right before they take off to the space station or space day 
no. for Todd. Um, so as you, if Todd. you remember, microbe, yeah, it's just only for Todd. That one's for Daddy. Uh, if you remember <laughs> that uh, microbe was supposed to give a concert on the space station, so that was that's like their last ditch effort. They're gonna they're gonna hijack or they're gonna stow away on uh, protozoa or microbes uh, shuttle. Um, so Xenon uh, catches up with protozoa, the lead singer of microbe. And convinces him, because she won the Dance on Stage with Protozoa concert, convinces him to uh, let her ride along the shuttle. And I love this little bit. They keep calling Protozoa Mr. Zoa. Like, mm. that's his his first name is Proto and his last name is Zoa. Yep. I, just, I have a very clear memory of that. <laughs> I forgot that she had to win the Dance on Stage contest to get... Like this, the yeah. the the livelihood of all these people on this colony rests on her winning a dance competition. <laughs> yep, yeah. she she won the plot on stage plot with plot contest plot. Uh, so, oh, and of course the nefarious Wyndham and his perverted assistant are are uh, sneak on board behind her. Um, so everybody makes it up to the space station just in time for Xenon to upload the undo disc uh, that she had been wearing as an earring for the entirety of this movie oh, and uh, oh, saves boy. the space station. Uh, so our movie ends with a mighty boom, 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 boom as uh, Raven Simone dances on stage with Protozoa and Xenon's family reconciles. Did you get that boom, boom, boom? I did get that boom, boom, boom. We don't need a does second it, take. Does it make your heart go zoom, zoom, zoom? It, it does make my heart go zoom, my, zoom, zoom. My supernova girl. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, okay. So, the, the, our, my new Gamora's version. So, uh, we're going to keep a lot of the main beats. We've got Pete Quill and the rest of the kids. We'll still help her get to the spaceport. Um, we're absolutely keeping Protozoa as is because those frosted tips are chef's kiss. <laughs> they are violently frosted. <laughs> I would say violently frosted is a good descriptor. Um, now, in this version, we're going to have the whole gang of kids actually steal the ship with Protozoa in tow. Of course, unbeknownst to them, Director Thanos and uh, Mr. Ma have also stowed away in the cargo hold, so we're going to keep that. <clears throat> when they arrive to the space day, Director Thanos convinces the head brass to let him into the engine room alone, where he steals the Power Stone throwing the whole station out of orbit. So the power stone is revealed to basically be keeping the station afloat, um, serving as the main source of energy. Fortunately, we find that Gamora and Nebula had plotted to replace the power stone with a fake. And in reality, Gamora has, th has had the stone the entire time. So uh, she confronts Director Thanos and delivers a swift kick to the face as the authorities take him away. <laughs> uh, Gamora returns the stone to the engine room and aligns the station back in orbit. The movie ends with exactly the same with the microbe concert, <laughs> except except that this time instead of Supernova Girl, they're going to be playing "Hooked on a Feeling" by Blue Suede. Yeah, excellent. There it is. That, that fits. Yeah, that's good. Yep. And then we're going to have all the kids up there dancing. So we'll see Pete Quill uh, doing his dance to "Hooked on a Feeling" at the begin like the beginning of Guardians. Andrew, the sen the sensors want to make sure that that swift kick you don't actually see any contact happen. You just see the actress <laughs> yeah. kick her foot in the air, and then Thanos like jerk backwards violently yeah. with a sound effect. We'll do it in slow motion, but we have to pull out every four frames. <laughs> that happened so many times in DCOMs. I saw that like so many times today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I'm still stuck on the fact Todd, that they- Todd loves they, it so much he's speechless. They, the first change you made was, well, they're still going to do the same thing, except instead of riding on his ship, they're stealing it from him. It's their yeah. ship now. He is we're their gonna, prisoner. We're going to get there. <laughs> Good. All right, Kyle. All right. So um, 
like similar to to Matt and Andrew, I'm going to keep a lot of the same story beats as this. Um, well, it's, it's, I, I, the premise of this is that they're perfect. Yes. So, I mean, how do you change a lot of yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So the only thing where we changed is just, you know, some gender swapping so we could get um, another movie out of Robert Downey Jr. So in the original, uh, they, they defeat Pat, the, I, the AI of the smart house, uh, by sneaking Sarah, the, the engineer, inside and having her basically tell this super intelligent ai that you are not real you exist to serve humans <laughs> and to knock it off <laughs> and she does hey you quit it and, <laughs> my favorite scene in age of ultron actually and, and she does just long enough that they reboot they reboot smart house and um upgrade her so she doesn't go all crazy again <laughs> we're gonna do the same thing um except we are adding an extended uh, Die Hard-esque uh, scene where Tony has to break into the house because all his Iron Man suits are turned off by Ultron because reasons. Mm -hmm. So we, we get a nice um, Die Hard, like Robert Downey Jr. sneaking through air ducts. Now I have the remote control. Ho, ho, ho. Um, yippee ki <laughs> mother buckets. Um, <laughs> you know, all, all those good, good juicy diehard references that the kids will know and enjoy leading to to tony ultimately talking down the disembodied voice of james spader um and instead of like reinstalling the dangerous ai that almost killed an entire family um he'll just reinstall jarvis or friday as the new ai for smart house and leaves um but not before commenting its protection protocols may have been a little too aggressive but maybe we could use it something bigger and then a twinkle in his eye the they like fast pan over to the avengers logo to the avengers tower and roll credits <laughs> and that's that's really all the all the major plot changes we're making um is just uh involve more robert downey jr and james spader uh trading quips i realize as we're doing this that these are disney channel original movies and disney owns marvel now so all of this is canon this is, yep. this is actually these are this actually could all happen. these are all these are origin now. stories now yeah. this is this is in universe yep. yeah and i was realizing that as kyle said panning out to see the avengers tower the avengers <laughs> yeah logo. so this is this is a fun this is a fun thing that happened like in but between i guess iron man 2 and age of ultron is tony stark <laughs> built and saved a smart house <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Well, you all have given me some a lot to think about, and I do have a a super secret bonus question to throw at you. So, guys, wouldn't you know it? The reboots they were a hit amongst the twenty five to thirty five year old crowd that craves nostalgia to help them forget the crushing despair that has hit them full force every single day since the early two thousands. Hot so, damn! Is it hot in here? It's getting a little hot in here. <laughs> so so Disney. They are they are craving for content to crank out right now to get out of this market freefall. So guys, we're gonna need a sequel to your movie, and I need to know what the sequel to your reboot is, and what other hero or villain are you just recklessly smashing into it. <laughs> so while you think about that, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break. 
Hey, this is Nate from the New Entertainment System Podcast, a show where we use a robot to randomize subjects, styles, and twists to design just two of the over 20 million games that the robot is capable of thinking of. A Halo dating simulator for VR headsets, a Cooking Mama stealth game that uses the NES zapper, anything is possible. So join me, my co-host Cam, and a guest from the games industry, games journalism industry, or games podcast scene every Monday for a new episode of the New Entertainment System Podcast. Search for it in your favorite podcast app. All right, and we're back. So, guys, again, your your movie was great. the The relaunch was great, but we now need a sequel. So, what is your sequel uh, that that's following your reboot? And then, who else are you just ramming in there as a big hero or villain name? I believe you meant ram jamming, Todd. Ram, ram jamming. jamming. That's that's <laughs> that's three total M's, I think. Ram jamming. Yeah, I think that's four total M's. Are there two M's in ram for the for ram no. jamming? There's only no. one. One M. M. All right. This is this is a dumb bit. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like the only way to answer this question is to give you the post credit scene of the 13th year. Um, how we will set up the 13th year two tentative title, the 14th year. God. Um. So good. Obviously, I've been name dropping this guy Walter Newell the whole time. Uh, that name matters. That is the name of Doctor Walter Newell, who becomes the Stingray. Um. Uh, sometimes. Friend, sometimes foe, sometimes enemy of Namor. Uh, Namor has a weird superhero history, and there's not a lot of clear-cut storylines, so sorry if you don't recognize any of these names. But Walter Newell sees his best friend Namor McKenzie swim off with his Atlantean mom, and he's so overcome with sadness that his one friend that he's managed to make in his whole high school career has swam away from him, that he decides to put all his brain smarts to the test and build himself a special mech suit that's shaped kind of like a manta ray, and he swims off to live an aquatic life as an oce- oceanic biographer, um, which is pretty much what the Stingray does in actual Marvel canon. So at the end of the movie, we see uh, Namor swim off, and they pan back, and everybody's on the dock like, wow, our son, best friend, boyfriend just swam away into the void forever. What do we do now? And Walter's like, well, I have an idea. And out of his hand falls to the ground a sketch drawing in his notebook of the Stingray suit right next to where it says Walter and Namor in a little heart bubble. Um, also, uh, as as it pans out, in the very corner, if you slow it down and view it in reverse and turn the contrast way up, you can see what might actually be the top of a shark fin and might be Namor villain Tiger Shark coming to put his stain <laughs> on the sequel. I, I love the concept that the only interesting part of every one of these supporting characters' lives just left. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like, That's, all right. <laughs> everybody's connection in this movie just floated away. Now what do we do? <laughs> Good. Good. Andrew. Uh, all right. So I didn't, I'm going to also go through the post credit scene. So I already introduced, we've got uh, the other characters from the Guardians of the Galaxy, albeit in, in little bit parts here. So um, remember I said, you did call out, Todd, that uh, they stole a space shuttle. So that's that's not going to go unnoticed. So in our post credit scene, we see Gamora leading all the kids back to the uh, the back of the hangar where they where they stashed that shuttle. Uh, the kids get on and we get all get in and we see we see our camera pans at the front. We see Gamora piloting. Uh, Pete Quill asks where they're going and Gamora responds wherever we want. And then a cute end title screen with the words Gamora and the Guardians of the Twenty First Galaxy. 
So. <laughs> <laughs> sequel. So the reason we're going to do, there's a couple of things, a couple of factors here that, uh, that build in our sequel. One, just like Xenon the sequel, we couldn't afford Raven Simone for the sequel. So she's out. <laughs> Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna t- we're gonna take the major beats from not the sequel, but instead Z three, and uh, have the kids really excited for uh, the Moonstock Festival, which happens to take place on the moon. Oh no! Go figure. No, I don't like. I don't want. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and and in Z three, there's something about uh, a a moon preservation activist named Sage Borealis. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, so in this version, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have the kids go to the moon the what did I say the uh, Moonstock Moonstock Festival. Thank you, <laughs> and meet up with uh, Carol Danvers, who's gonna be oh. their their oh. uh, six uh. their six co pilot as uh, the guardians of the twenty first galaxy. So we'll uh, we'll ram Jim Cap- Captain Marvel into this continuum. Did you say Sage Borealis? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, the person that had to come up with these either was just like a special kind of human being that like thought this was real funny like they were the they were that person that thinks stupid shit like this is great and was just scribbling it down furiously or they would think up these things write it down for submission and then take a shot of like bourbon to like get <laughs> their day yeah it's probably the more the latter um, I imagine it's the same people that create the family circle. <laughs> <laughs> the the same the same type of person that's writing what I imagine is the plot for all the Medea movies. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kyle. Yeah. All right. Um, so I'm gonna go in a similar vein here and do a nice little post credits uh, wrap up. Um, so our our movie has ended. Tony Tony Stark has installed a, mu- a much more gentle and fitting AI to be to run the smart house. And has left to to do Avengers things, and the Smart House family is comfortably living in in said Smart House. When we see Nicole, the mom, sneak away to a um to a secret to a like a, a blacked out car on the street, and um hands a mysterious my, mysterious person a disc and says, "All right, I got what we came here for. Um, I need to go back to my to our own dimension." And the, the person she hands the disc to says, "All right, Agent Fury, you're right. Let's all let's get let's get you back home." Uh, the twist being, of course, that the mom is Nicole Fury, an alternate reality uh, version of Nick Fury, gender swapped Nick Fury, um, who came to Earth to get I don't know Tony Stark's AI information or something. But that's that's all I got is is the mom is is an alternate dimension gender swapped Nick Fury um, <laughs> trying to start her own alternate dimension uh, Avengers initiative. I <laughs> stuck the one hundred percent thought that you meant that Nicole had just been Nick Fury the whole time. <laughs> In in my head, even if it is like like a woman version of Nick Fury and Nick Fury, they both have Samuel L. Jackson's voice. It is. <laughs> yes, of course, always. Uh, that's all I got. That's I didn't. There's not a there's not a fun way to do a sequel to Smart House, except like 
Smart house. got smart again. Smarter house, and I don't want to do that. So we're doing we're doing Nicole Fury instead. I mean, Andrew just said they did the same movie at least twice and got away with it. Apparently, for a third one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're better than that here on the Smart House Creative Team, Todd. <laughs> no, they're not. You know that. <laughs> um, okay, before before I make a decision, just real quick, um, give me give me the the. Sell me on your idea one more time. Give me, give me that one quick hot take over what you have presented here today in this conclusion. Thirteenth Year is a really weird movie. Adding Namor into that movie will not make it more or less weird. <laughs> Thus forth, my answer to this question is the best. Uh, Todd, I'm going to tell you about th- my thoughts of, about this movie. I'm going to tell you the same thing that Gregory, Gregory told Xenon on a very romantic summer's eve standing on the balcony of the very rich kid's house. I wouldn't miss it for all the stardust in the galaxy. I'm not giving you anything from that. Move to remove <laughs> Andrew from the show. Seconded. Todd? Uh, yeah, that's, that's general consent. All He's right. out. That's, yeah. <laughs> all right, bye. I died doing what I loved, putting Zeno on the girl of the 21st century. Um, if I... Uh, yippee ki mother buckets is my <laughs> my conclusion in conclusion. Second. Wait, I I know that we already did conclusions, but I want to go back and redo mine because I found this very no, rogue quote. No, Wait, no, no just trust no, me, this, this quote is worth name. it. This quote is worth it. I found this very real quote that ends this very real movie that was on the very real Disney channel that just says, I finally get a friend and he turns into a fish. Typical. <laughs> 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 okay um you've you've given me a lot to to take back um to the creative team uh they've got to decide who uh <laughs> yeah all right so um while i'm trying to figure out which one of these monstrosities makes it across the finish line uh why don't you three give each other some good vibes oh man this was a good time guys i loved every minute <laughs> this of this was, this was the perfect amount of silly and dumb we needed we needed yeah. to do today yeah yeah this is about the mental co- mental capacity my quarantine brain actually has right now like i can i can view one thing and insert another thing into that thing um that is all i've got but uh andrew great job xenon was definitely a movie that i did not watch as much as i watched other movies but you very slyly slid every <laughs> guardians of the galaxy into it <laughs> Um, except I'm not giving you credit for Roxy. Roxy didn't get me there, but everybody yeah, else okay. will credit. So, um, four and a half stars out of five. Very impressed. Thanks, man. Um, Good. also just like you gave me a reason to Google protozoa from Xenon and <laughs> experience those violently frosted tips. Um, Matt has a new hero. Yeah. And his name is protozoa. He sits, um, sits on the Pantheon next to Guy Fieri. <laughs> He, well, I was going to say, he walked so Guy Fieri could run. Uh, and Kyle, this is a weird thing to say, but I think yours fits into the MCU the best. Um, <laughs> That's what like, I was going for. Yeah, so Tony Stark building Ultron as a smart house is weird, but like them being like, or Tony Stark saying, Okay, that's enough Ultron. Maybe I can use you for something else. Avengers Tower yeah. is grand. <laughs> like that's so perfect. And it's so believable is that like that's a 15 minute short that they would do. Yep. Um Yep. 
Yeah, and I really, really that's, like that's that. That's exactly the energy I was go I was trying to capture. Especially because <laughs> if you fit this in, like, in the right place, I can imagine this coming as the last short before Avengers 1, and so it drops Ultron, like, ten movies early. Um, and I really like that headcanon. Um, but yeah, great job all around. I have no bad things to say, except for the the slang and xenon. That's my bad thing to say, but that's not your fault, Andrew. Um, yes, it is. It's also my bad thing. It's it's, it's yeah. one hundred percent his fault. I actually have more here. Um, well, that's all I have. So it's your <laughs> turn now. Unfortunately, we will take um, the talking stick away from you if you start. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, holy shit! These were amazing. All of these were amazing. Um, Kyle, I I I try to think about like as a teenager when you are at your most vulnerable, lying in your childhood bed. <laughs> What is the worst possible thing that you could probably experience? It has to be the disembodied voice of James Spader. <laughs> attacking, attacking you for love? Yeah. Out of love? Yeah. Question um, mark? That, I mean, ever since you brought up the concept of <laughs> Smart House but Ultron, I, I was hooked. And uh, boy, did you deliver. That was horrifying. Equal parts horrifying and horny, just like the original. Yep. So really really keeping the that's what we're going for <laughs> keeping consistency um uh, matt uh the 13th year is apparently an ultra chore <laughs> yeah who knew yeah um i definitely don't think they know what mermaids are nope that much is clear um i have to say the plot with namor makes more sense than the original like i can like my brain can pick that up more so than it can <laughs> he has electrical powers or whatever yeah, right? It's 100% more... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say it when I get to my good vibes. Never mind. The only thing that I think would have made your argument better is if you went with Johnny Tsunami. <laughs> oh, that would have been very good, too. Man, that would have been great. It would have been better, just been different. Yeah, yep. Go ahead, Kyle. Um, so, so what I was going to say is, um, you, you did a, Matt, you did a very good job of like Disney, Disney-fying namor's origin because isn't that pretty close to his origin already that he like lived on earth unknowingly unknowing as a atlantean for a while or is am i wrong there because i'm sure it could have been yeah i am uh, not familiar with so, it so so you like somehow managed to take this plot that already existed and it is just a, a very good origin story for namor i think so so good job um thank you that and uh the 13th year is a weird movie and Andrew, um, yeah, you did you did like Guardians of the Twenty First Century, and and it's very good. And I hate the slang, but I think hating the slang makes it better. So, so good job. And also, uh, Protozoa is the new god king of of this podcast because he, yeah. he has he has ousted. Um, um, Rami I'm Malik. sorry, that's Mister Zoa for you. <laughs> <laughs> what what is that actor doing? Did we, did we get that uh, I looked. So I, I looked and he, he's not doing much, <laughs> but it was weird because I saw his face and I was like, I feel like I know that guy from Glee. And he was on one episode of Glee Ooh. and apparently that's what my brain has. So Todd, to answer your question, he is about two years from opening a private big cat zoo in the, uh, <laughs> in the wilds of um, Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's got some stuff on here. I have a, I have a rolling theory that these um, sets, these experiences, these filming experiences must have been absolute nightmares because 
mm-hmm. nobody from these movies goes on to act. And no, it's no. not like and it's not like they're not movie stars. No, no, no. Like systematically, this is the last thing they ever did, which implies that they retired yeah. <laughs> from acting after doing a Disney Channel yeah. original movie. Well, I read that um, Lauren Meltby, the the girl who you are like, you'll know who she is because she's in every movie. In yeah. her Wikipedia article, it says she retired after the last Xenon movie. Wow. She's in every Xenon movie. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's all. That's all she. That's all she did. Yeah. Well, think like I mean, the only exception I can think of off the top of my head, at least, is like Raven Simone. But even then, she became a garbage truck of a human being. That is yeah. just like not fun to be around. Toward toward the latter half of these movies, I think they took some steps to not have that burnout because you've got you've also got like Danielle Panabaker and the Jonas Brothers who like continued mm-hmm. to to stay in the spotlight that all started out as decom stars. But like, yeah, those 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 first like five to seven years of decoms just like ruined kids lives and they didn't want to do anything resembling acting ever again well and like hillary duff and miley cyrus who i would say are probably two of uh disney channel's like biggest child actors have Mm -hmm. both come out and talked about how miserable an experience Mm -hmm. it was yep and miley cyrus is like my whole turn in life was because of the disney channel so yep um while while we're talking about miserable experiences, I have to tell you who won and lost. So <laughs> <laughs> so so here it is. Um, we we were given the funding for one of your projects to go forward. Um, Andrew, they don't want to see your movie. They don't not because it's a bad movie, but because the the slang just it just they they stopped listening after Space Day, which was like your third right. word. So I won't I won't give you any more, but I do want to I want to add in one more thing. So at the end, when they're um, when they're in the little security room, they're all typing on the on the consoles. Everything is in windings. They're typing in wingdings. <laughs> they don't speak another language. They all speak fucking English. But they read. But they for read whatever reason, they type in wingdings on the space station because. They read wingdings. That means huge. that yeah. means everyone yeah. everyone converted to one written language that is wingdings. <laughs> yeah, universal. So that's the, in the future the universal language or the universal written word will be wingdings. What what people in like the late nineties, early two thousands joked about the future being is just absurd. Like oh, yeah. just wild. Oh, it was just it was just a chrome it was a chrome version of what we were experiencing at that time. Like it was just <laughs> yeah. just yeah, rub right. rub like a chrome shiny aesthetic on it and and it's the same thing. So yeah, Andrew, it's not your movie. I'm sorry. Um yeah, that's, fine. that's not the movie people want to see. Uh now I am gonna say Kyle, people do want to see your movie. However, it wasn't the one that's getting funded. Uh, um, yes! Now, yes! now that is because James Spader's hot breath is problematic, and I just, <laughs> it's just I, I, I love it and I hate it. It, it is, it is two sides of a sword. James, James, Sp- James Spader's hot breath was too, too steamy for for Disney <laughs> Channel. Steamy. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. Now, I'll, I'll now, Matt, out. Matt, that's good news for you because Matt, you, you didn't just, you just didn't do a good movie. You perhaps made a better movie that had already been made before. And you still Woo! kept Dave Coulier. And so Woo! for that, my dude, we are going to do your weird Namor origin story because Marvel still has yet to do that and they're ready for it now. 
Yeah! Yeah, I feel accomplished. I feel so accomplished that I'm going to leave you with some other tasty 13th year quotes. That wasn't the deal. No, I swear to God, let me read these. They're great. Um, All of the quotes on IMDb are from Jesse Wheatley, who was the nerdy best friend. I'm not going to read all of them, but a couple of choice ones. Nerds don't have really friends. We just have hobbies. Um, And then... (laughs) Very... Sad. I'm just not used to talking to people who have a reputation to protect. Come to think of it, I'm not really used to talking to people, period. Oh, this is sad. My all-time favorite, when Jess Wheatley jumps in to break up a fight between main character Cody and other guy who is the best swimmer on the swimming team, he says... If anyone's going to get beat up here, it's going to be me, okay? I mean, if you guys start beating each other up, what am I going to do in between periods? Just not get beat up? How does that fit into my job description? What the? This, <laughs> this kid has a lot of very serious problems. That, like, yeah. to give him a hug. That wouldn't fly under the radar in 2020. Matt, do you have at, at the ready the name of the actual best swimmer on the swim team? Just, just for my knowledge. Uh... It would not take me very long to find it. I'm vamping as I am scrolling. I am looking. His name perhaps was Zach? That doesn't feel Feels like a Chad. Like a Connor or a Chad or a... No, I think it was Zach. It was Zach. Zach? Um, Uh, That's not a Names in this movie are Cody, Sam... No, it was Sean. It was Sean. Sean. That's good. S-E-A-N. I like Mm. that. Sean Marshall. Sean works. For that, yep. for that name. All right, you hear that? Sean's out there. <laughs> Don't go too far, Todd. There, there was a Todd in that movie, no. too. Well, anyway, so thanks for listening in to Debate <laughs> This. Follow along with the argument on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DebateThisCast. And check out our website at DebateThisCast.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review so more people can hear our nerdy, dumb show. Until next time, I'm Todd Thomas. I'm Matt Violently Frosted Tips Cole. I'm Andrew. Macro is good. Micro is bad. Viral is nasty. Graphic is beautiful. Henderson. And I'm Kyle Zetus Lapidus Harper. (laughs) (laughs) And we're saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, then you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds.